Hi, and welcome to the Different States of Mind podcast with your hosts, Kara Brown and Katie Afey. Welcome back, guys. So this week, once again, can't beat this in enough, we're in different states. I think it's really beautiful that we're really able to execute this podcast, um, different states of mind, truly in different states. It really fits the theme. Yes, it really, it really, we're able to drive it home that we are indeed in different states. But, Kara, you may be in a different state than me, but you're back home, which is fun. So where are you now? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I'm back home in Springfield, which, thank goodness, honestly, you want to talk about a ghost town. That is campus right now when I left there were like six cars in the parking lot and I was like I'm done so peaced out and got home last night yeah well I mean I bet it's a really nice feeling to be home now especially after being like with no one around because like I feel like we kind of both had a similar experience when we first got back home for break because you just came from like not seeing anyone and when I first left I came from not seeing anyone because of like being in quarantine so I know that you were like out there longer and stuff and it was not the most fun but no it's definitely nice um to be back but we'll be running that one back later on yeah may I may have to make a trip out to Missouri (laughs) Yeah, straight up. Just come back. Like, I, I may. I may just I gotta go help the girl when the girl calls. Yes. I'm on my yeah. way. Well, also, I guess we should say Merry Christmas because yeah. as our schedule has it, we will be releasing this on Christmas Day. So I expect none of you to be listening to this on <laughs> Christmas Day. Though. Oh, I was gonna say I expect everyone to halt their family traditions and um, press play of different states of mind. Because truly, I don't see a better way to spend your Christmas than with Karen. Actually, no, I do agree with that. And <laughs> it's fun for the whole family. Yes. Just throw it on, put it on a speaker. Everybody can enjoy. Well, while everyone's opening their Christmas presents, just put yeah. on the different states of mind podcast to really ease the morning, yes. sip on some hot cocoa. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be a great, a great time. Yes, have us on in the background. Mm-hmm. We're part of your family now. Exactly. Think of us as the fun cousins that are just there. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so, speaking of Christmas, do you have any traditions or anything that you are going to be doing this year? Or anything that's going to be looking a little different this year because of COVID? Yeah, so for Christmas, usually our, like, Christmas day is usually pretty low-key. We just, like, wake up in the morning, open gifts. We always have, like, this very specific breakfast casserole that, like, we only have on holidays. And um, so we always look forward to that. But usually what we do on Christmas Eve is go to my grandma's house. And it's, like, my grandma, my aunt and uncle, my cousins, and then my family. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I was informed yesterday that we're switching things up a little bit this year. And what we're going to do is tomorrow on Christmas Eve, we're going to go to my grandma's house first. We're going to have some snacks. We're going to open gifts from her there. Then we're going to drive to my house and we're going to eat dinner at my house and open the gifts from us there. 
And then we're going to drive to my aunt's house. <laughs> and we're going to have dessert. And we're going to open gifts from them there. Very nice. So really making an event mm-hmm. out of it. Um, kind of fun. I think my grandma's really bored. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you guys open your, like, your gifts from the family on Christmas Eve? Yeah, um, because that's, like, when we get together. So we always open, like, the gifts for my grandma and my aunt and uncle on Christmas Eve. But then we do, like, my family, personally, we do our gifts on Christmas morning. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. That sounds fun. Yeah, we're definitely also doing things very differently this year because we usually would go to my, like, on Christmas Day, we usually go to my dad's parents' house, and we always have, like, a big breakfast there, and we spend Christmas morning with his side of the family, and then we would drive um, across, because my grandparents live in West Virginia, so we'd go from West Virginia to Western Maryland, and Mm -hmm. we, actually Central Maryland, scratch that, Central Maryland, and Mm -hmm. we would have, like, Christmas, like, dinner lunch there at my mm-hmm. aunt and uncle's house and that's with my mom's side of the family but because it's kind of a lot of people like we don't really want to have that large of an event or anything yeah. so what we're going to be doing is tomorrow christmas eve we will go to my grandparents and drop off gifts like kind of like from afar i believe and then so we're just going to hit both the grandparents house tomorrow and like just like give them their gifts and like say Merry Christmas and everything, um, Mm -hmm. and then we will, I, we usually also on Christmas Eve, like, we always go to church on Christmas Eve, Yeah. but I don't, we may be doing an outdoor service, I think that could be happening, because I know that that's what my church was doing, I literally have not heard from my parents (laughs) what we're doing, that's what I would assume that we're doing, Yeah. um, but then on Christmas Day, I think that we are, like just gonna have my family in the morning have like the Christmas breakfast that we normally have like open gifts and then in the evening just our neighbors are gonna come over and we're just gonna spend Christmas with them so yeah the church thing I hadn't really thought about it um until like a couple days ago but I was like oh yeah what like what is our church service gonna look like Still have no idea. I think probably what's going to happen is we're going to do it virtually because Mm -hmm. I know my church did virtual before COVID. They did like online stream and then in person. So I think we're probably going to end up watching the online stream. But I, I don't know if they do anything in person, but I doubt we'd go to that anyways, if they did, Mm -hmm. um, Cause yeah, I'm not like, I haven't been home for a long time, so I don't know what our church is doing normally. Either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what my church has been doing normally either. I think that they like, I mean, I know my parents have been like watching the virtual service and stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if they were doing, I think they were doing like, you could reserve a spot and do it outside, but they may have stopped when it got colder, but for Christmas Eve, they're like bringing it back. But it's probably going to be cold. I don't know. What is the weather supposed to be like for you guys on Christmas? Um, So today, actually, funny that you mentioned the weather. Because I was looking and I was taken aback. Today, it was like 60 this morning. And it's getting colder throughout the day. And it like rained this morning very briefly. 
and now it's just really windy. So the high for today was like 60. The high for tomorrow is 34. <laughs> and the weather is just wind. Oh, gosh. That is very Missouri. Like that just yeah. the full 360 in one evening is exactly what would happen all the time. Disgusting. Yes. Hate it. <laughs> but yeah, today it wasn't like too terrible. Um, it was 45. It was also pretty windy. Um, and then tomorrow, I think it looks like it's actually going to be like a little bit 57, but it's going to be raining all day. And then on Christmas, our high looks to be 32. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> the weather tomorrow. I don't know what the weather is on Christmas. I was thinking tomorrow was Christmas. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I hate Missouri. What's the weather on Christmas? Okay. So tomorrow is 34 and windy, yes. like I said. Friday, it's 39 and sunny, which is, like, pretty nice. Saturday is 61 and sunny. Oh, my gosh. Literally for what? And then, next week, it's supposed to snow. Have you guys been getting a lot of snow? No. It snowed, uh, I came home last weekend, and it snowed the Sunday while I was home mm-hmm. here, but, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. We haven't really gotten anything. We just had a pretty big snowstorm last week, but most of it's melting now. Um, yeah. And then in the forecast last week, there was snow forecasted for Christmas. So I was uh-huh. a little bit hopeful of a white Christmas, especially because, like, white Christmases growing up were always like, yay, white Christmas, but also a little bit annoying because we would be in the car so we'd be trying to drive Mm -hmm. so like I was excited for a white Christmas when we like obviously weren't going anywhere and just like having Christmas at home but I don't know I would have loved a white Christmas I want like a good solid snow Mm -hmm. it's just been like cold rainy it snowed like once while we were in Columbia it snowed once while I've been home and they're really weak snows yeah I need a good solid layer on the ground. We definitely just had that. We had like, I don't, I don't want to sound stupid, but I think we had like, like six to eight inches, maybe. Like we had like, we had like a decent amount of snow and it was really good. I didn't go out and make a snowman, but (laughs) it was like the perfect, like Uh, packing, packing snow. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, we actually, last weekend, we are really good friends with our neighbors, so we have, like, fires outside, and usually in the wintertime, like, they'd come over to our basement bar and just hang out in there, but we still are, like, trying to, like, be outside and stuff, um, just, like, for COVID. Right. And so last weekend, it was so cold, and there was snow everywhere, and it was, like, 27 degrees, but there was no wind, so we were, like, we gotta have a fire. Like, even though it's cold, like, the fire will keep us warm. There's no wind. And honestly, like, if there's no wind in a situation, I don't care how cold it is, like, anything without wind is more bearable. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a fun little (laughs) conversation, just a little background. We thought we'd maybe just give a little bit of Christmas cheer in this podcast. So we're going to hop into the topic of this week. Now this week, it may seem 
like this topic isn't necessarily as cheerful as the Christmas talk. But what Kara and I would really like to encourage and kind of showcase in this conversation is that this topic doesn't always have to be met with such negativity. And like, it doesn't need to always force anger out of people. We're able to have just calm conversations about dun, 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 politics. <laughs> So we also weren't going to dive like headfirst. Like the point of this was not for Kara and I to get into a heated debate on anything. And we just kind of wanted to talk about like the differences of necessarily like where we grew up because obviously we grew up in very different areas and just kind of how politics have shaped certain aspects of our life and just our thoughts on that, basically. Mm -hmm. Also, like we've mentioned in the past, we're journalism majors. So politics are kind of an important part, I guess you would say. There are some aspects that politics do play into our major and especially me because I am also a, I'm a dual degree with political science. Yeah. With that little bit of a disclaimer <laughs> slash just stick around and hear us out for what we have to say, Spiel, um, <laughs> I'm going to hop in to my first question to Kara. Uh, I'm, honestly, I'm very nervous. <laughs> None of these, I really don't think you should be nervous. Okay. Like, I, I kept it all very friendly, very casual, nothing <laughs> intense. Okay, good to know. So my first just general question was, what is the political climate of your town that you grew up in? So basically the entire area I'm from of Southwest Missouri is completely red. It's all very conservative. Um, A lot of people around here support Trump. So there's this thing like politically where, like, votes often divide between rural areas and, like, city areas, Mm -hmm. more urban areas, which urban areas tend to vote blue and rural areas tend to vote red. Um, And you can see that trend a lot if you look through, like, maps of voting patterns across the U.S. But usually the biggest cities within a state will vote blue, and that's almost true for Missouri because Kansas City votes blue, St. Louis votes blue, and then Columbia, which is our college town and is fourth biggest, votes blue. Um, I'm from Springfield, which is the third biggest town in the state, and we vote red consistently. (laughs) We're consistently red and we're consistently voting Republican. So I think that's kind of interesting, just the fact that like, even though I'm from a more like urban area not really but like for Missouri it is um we still vote red and Mm -hmm. still tend to be really Republican and conservative um where that doesn't fit a lot of other voting patterns throughout the country Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I feel like you've kind of alluded to this but is your town does your town mimic the likes of Missouri and the rest of the state's political opinion um yeah i mean missouri is very conservative all around Mm -hmm. uh just like looking at election maps from this past election we were like one of the states that trump won in a landslide Mm -hmm. and 
most people here, like I said, they vote more conservative. Um, In my area does that. The only two areas, well, there's three areas that really don't, and it's Kansas City, St. Louis, Columbia. Mm -hmm. Interesting. See, that's a little bit, um, the reason that I asked that question was because I would say the political climate of my town is more red. Um, we It usually is, tends to be more of a Republican area, but being from Maryland, which is always consistently a very blue state, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't necessarily expect that, but that comes from the fact that I think I'm from a more rural area like I'm not from like Baltimore and like um like a big city or anything like that so it's kind of interesting because even though my town I've kind of been surrounded by a lot of people with Republican ideologies but so growing up when I kind of realized that Maryland was a blue state like just when I was becoming more in tune with politics it kind of surprised Mm -hmm. me just because it wasn't what I was necessarily surrounding myself with in school so it was just kind of interesting when you realize that your town necessarily isn't what your entire state is yeah um so like you said columbia is one of the three blue um cities in missouri so that kind of goes into my next question i was just kind of wondering how you think your views may have been affected by college so I think generally, I mean, when you're from where I'm from, you do get into a echo chamber. When I came to Columbia, I felt like I was experiencing a lot of new opinions that I knew people held, but I had never been around uh, like a lot of people that held opinions that weren't um, kind of what I'd been hearing my whole life, because I think the majority of people here are very conservative. And I think that's just what people are used to and kind of the only thing they hear. So I think it was just being exposed to um, more liberal views. I think I have become more moderate uh, at Columbia, at Mizzou. I think it's made it harder for me because now When I come home, I don't feel like my views align with anybody at home because they're too liberal. And when I'm at school, I feel like I'm, I don't align with anybody's views there either because my views are too conservative. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gets to this point where I don't really know what to align with or what to, not what to agree with, because I know what I think. You just it's don't just feel like, like you have a group. My thoughts don't really fit yeah. anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard because, like, nobody really agreeing with me no matter what. Yeah. So it's like when I talk about politics, no matter where I am, I'm kind of always a little bit on edge. Like, oh, they're going to think I'm too conservative. Or like, oh, they're going to think I'm too liberal. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of dumb because I just, like, also agree with both sides. Yeah. And- disagree with both sides um but I think definitely people latch on to more what they disagree on than what they agree on so I think that's kind of what sticks in people's minds more it's definitely interesting kind of your situation I guess because like you would think as an outsider like 
if you were to be like, oh, I'm pretty moderate, like, I can definitely see things in both sides, like, you'd think, like, oh, that's probably a good place to be, like, Mm -hmm. if you're able to agree with most people on whatever they're saying, like, but in truth be told, because of, I just feel like, the climate of everywhere and how... Polarized. Yeah, how polarized everyone is. It's kind of an all-or-nothing type, like, motto, and I feel like a lot of people believe like if you're not 100% with them on everything and you're not like lining up 100% with them then you're against them which isn't necessarily always the case or anything so that also kind of goes into my next question um which is why do you think the U.S. has become so polarized or also do you think because this is another This is something that I've wondered, honestly, a lot. So you and I are both 18 and 19. Nope. 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 (laughs) 19 and 20. (laughs) Try again. (laughs) Oh my god. You didn't get either of our ages. I did not get either of our ages. I was very mistaken. Um, Okay. So you and I are both 19 and 20. And we both, like, just got to vote for the first time. We're obviously more in tune now when we're voting, I think that we are both probably, like, becoming more aware in 2016 when that election rolled around and stuff, but so I think it's really easy for us as people of this age to be like, this is the most polarized we've ever been, which could be true. I'm not necessarily saying that's wrong. I'm not necessarily saying that's right, but I think it's hard for us to, like, 1,000% say that when we, this is all we've really experienced, and yes, it is a completely unique situation. I think the 2016 election was unlike any other election. Again, I haven't really been around for a lot of elections, but it was definitely an interesting situation when two candidates were kind of put up, and a common term was, like, the lesser of two evils, which was just interesting to have two people that a lot of people all around the country were like, I hate both of these people. I just got to vote for whoever I hate less, which I feel like was a lot of people's mindset. So basically what I'm trying to set up for you is, do you agree that this is maybe the most polarized we've been? Um, and you don't necessarily have to agree that it's been the most, but what do you think is a root of the current polarization? So I don't know if we're like the most polarized we've ever been. I do think we are more polarized now than in recent history, but I think obviously you have time periods like the Civil War where there was a divide enough in politics for the country to split. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even like as a Hamilton fan, just like the beef between Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton Obviously, they were very polarized Mm -hmm. um, at that time. So I think, honestly, it could, like, come and go in waves. Like, we get really polarized, and then we kind of go back to a middle ground a little bit, and then we get really polarized again. But I don't know. I haven't done enough research to, like, really back that up. But just from, like, what I know of, like, American history and stuff, I feel like that could be a situation. I definitely, though, in a poli-sci class I took this past semester, we looked at a chart and it had the liberal and conservative spectrum. And then it had all of the delegates to Congress 
like on the chart and the blue was the Democrats, the red was the Republicans, and it showed where they landed on the spectrum of liberal and conservative. And I don't remember when the chart started, but um, at the beginning, it was like some Republicans were more on the liberal side and some Democrats were more on the conservative side. And there was like an overlap and there really wasn't too many, if any, people at like the end of the spectrum. Whereas now it was all of the Democrats were liberal and nobody was like near the middle and all of the Republicans were conservative and no one was near the middle. So it, that chart was basically showing like how polarized our party system has become um, recently. So I do think that we're becoming more polarized and I think America, like Americans get the sense that we're becoming more polarized. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with rhetoric and how people in politics say things, say things about the other party, say things about different groups of people. Um, I don't want to get too specific on people because I'm, I know either way I say it, some people will get mad at me. Yeah. Um, but I do think a lot of the polarization comes from people in politics and using scare tactics and different things to get people to vote against the other party instead of like voting for someone. Yeah. Which we did see in the 2016 election where it was like, I'm not voting for someone, I'm voting against someone. Mm-hmm. I feel like, honestly, like, it's just kind of been, like, a wave. Like, it started to happen, and now we're at the point where, like, I don't think politicians think that they can survive if they don't utilize those same tactics. Like, it's just become, like, the same way. Or just, like, the way that either campaigning or just also the usage of, like, social media, I think definitely (laughs) has um, adhered to this kind of idea of just, like more polarization i think it kind of goes back to what you were saying with your own personal beliefs and how you kind of feel like you don't necessarily belong to either side and it kind of has put you in an interesting position and i think because certain people in parties may have an idea that they don't want to support people that aren't like 100 percent all or nothing like Mm -hmm. extremely radical on either way Like, that's just kind of what seems to be, like, a lot of the noise is calling for. Even if it's not what most Americans believe, what a lot of, like, the vocal Americans about politics, like, they're calling for those, like, more radical sides on each side. You know what I mean? So, I think, like, that kind of just, even if politicians, like, I'm not going to, like, use any examples or anything like that. But, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, there could be politicians, honestly, I feel like, that aren't even like, as hardcore as they may be showcasing, but they just kind of think, like, I don't know how I'm going to get the votes from some of these people if I don't use these tactics of, like, 100%, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so there's less, there's less showcasing kind of the ability to hear out other sides and collaborate with one another. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... I'm not gonna lie, like, I definitely have my strong beliefs, and, like, I know that I can sometimes, like, 
run into issues with myself just like hearing of some hearing someone else that I don't agree with and how I necessarily meet them with like a discussion about it but I think it's important for us to move forward in trying to be able to get back to that point of just like not being as polarized because mm-hmm. like it's just not a happy place to be like yeah. it's it's just a lot of anger and what's so bad about it with the way our system is set up is if we're completely polarized nothing ever gets done exactly yeah i think also an issue with the way that our political party is necessarily presented i would say is people think so much rides on the president and i do think a lot i'm not saying that the president's not important or that a lot doesn't ride on that individual in any means that's not what i'm saying by this at all but i in my political science classes like my professors will even say like if you really want to be in politics and like make a difference like don't go for the presidency you go for Mm -hmm. congress because congress is where a lot of the change happens so i don't know that was kind of a tangent side note. But <laughs> so you mentioned the fact of echo chambers earlier and just kind of your town and I kind of brought up social media. But I just want to get your opinion on social media usage in politics and how you think that has cuz that's this is something that we definitely can speak on experiencing firsthand. Like there obviously wasn't social media back when Abraham Lincoln was president. So like that's kind of an interesting thing that we're able to speak on. Yeah, so I think a big difference that social media makes is just with like campaigning and marketing because to be on TV or to be on the radio or whatever, you have to be able to fund that. And if you don't have people donating to you or you don't have people backing you and you don't have money, then you can't advertise that way. And so much of who wins election is simply name recognition at the ballot um, because a lot of people aren't super informed on their vote. Um, So what social media opens up is like marketing that way and it's free and you can get your message out that way to tons of people Mm -hmm. without having to pay for it. So I think it opens up an opportunity for people who aren't career politicians to get into politics because they don't need to have the money to back them. They need to have a good social media campaign. Mm -hmm. And especially for younger people, that's a lot easier anyways, because I, I think young people kind of intuitively know how to use social media to their advantage I think you can even see younger senators and people in Congress or even like local governments starting to use social media more and starting to go that route to gain support. I mean, I've definitely seen different people in government like on TikTok and stuff like that using that platform as a way to gain popularity So I think that definitely opens it up because a lot of people in politics right now are older and are career politicians. So they have money and people to back them because they've proven that they can win an election. Mm -hmm. So um, I think social media definitely gives an opportunity for um, younger people and new people to enter the government. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's 
it's kind of cool almost, I guess, that like it is giving an opportunity to campaign in that sort of way. I also think that something important to note about it is I do think that you can credit um, social media to encouraging younger people to vote more. And we saw a larger, like we've been seeing increasing voter mm-hmm. turnout in younger demographics, which have been notably the demographic that is always like the least likely to vote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that that's kind of cool and shows maybe a shift in politics. Cause like, I just remember so much in like my ninth grade government class being like yes it's the older people that are going to vote but Mm -hmm. it's important to vote at every age and especially at a young age because like that's your future that you're voting for and just like letting it be decided I don't I think that everyone should vote (laughs) yeah no I agree Mm -hmm. I'm a big vocal supporter of voting yeah we should have done this around the time we weren't even making the podcast around um <laughs> no, the election. we didn't start until after the election but, but we could have really just ha- had a full hour-long podcast on the importance of voting because it's, yeah. it is important <laughs> to use your voice and we are fortunate to be able to like live in a society where we can use mm-hmm. our voice <laughs> we live yeah. in a society but like you know like I just think that and I think it is cool that social media has been able to encourage younger people to vote because obviously younger people are on social media at the same time social media has created very bad echo chambers <laughs> because of your ability to choose who you're following And you're going to follow people that you're usually likely to agree with. Mm -hmm. But also, they may be, like, not necessarily the people you choose to follow, but, like, there could be misinformation that a lot of people are getting from their social media, which Mm -hmm. has been, like, causing issues, obviously, with just the lack of proper information that people are Mm -hmm. receiving just because of their own personal social media echo chambers, I feel like. Yeah, but I feel like that's something... I mean, we can see it really well on social media. Like, I think it's become really obvious Mm -hmm. through social media. But in a way, I think that also just mirrors real life. Like, you can choose what news you're watching. Mm -hmm. You can choose who you surround yourself with in real life. And I think a lot of people would choose to only surround themselves with or talk to people that they agree with Mm -hmm. or follow news sources that report in a way that they agree with. Mm -hmm. So speaking of news sources, my next kind of topic for us that I really wanted to dive into, my question that I have written is how does the polarization, how has the polarization affected you and I in the field of journalism and just like the field of journalism in general? I just kind of threw you and I in there because we're about to be entering this field. But so what are your thoughts on the news as of late, I guess I should say? People hate it. Yep. People hate the news. Like, we took a, oh, what was it called? Journalism and Democracy? Yep. J11. Shout out Ryan Thomas. We love you, boo. Yes. Um, We took a class called Journalism and Democracy. And the whole class was about how journalism is vital to a democracy and the different roles journalism plays in democracy. And then towards the end, he really gave us a downer when our professor 
was like, people hate journalists. The trust in journalism completely going away. Nobody likes it anymore. Nobody wants it. So that's, I think, really beautiful for us um, (laughs) since that's the career we're going into. But I think more than anything, um, the polarization has led people to perceive journalism as leaning one way or the other. And I know a lot of conservatives think that news (laughs) has a political leaning, and some of it does. Mm -hmm. And... um, I do think in general, kind of mainstream news, like not local news, but like the big news outlets lean slightly left, but for the most part are neutral reporters. There are news outlets that are very biased either way. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to watch those, okay. But I think they're the bad part of journalism. I think they're why people don't trust us. And I think they're just a product of something that shouldn't exist, mm-hmm. um, which is the 24-hour news cycle. Oh, we hate her. We Throw hate her. her. <laughs> 24-hour news is not necessary. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It, it's just not. Mm-mm. It just literally is not. I don't... <laughs> it... Making a 24-hour news cycle forces journalists to make things news, not mm-hmm. just report on things. They have to make things news, and that shouldn't be how it and is. And what's, what's an easy way that these 24-hour news cycles have been filling their time is just with commentary shows yeah. and discussion-type-based shows, which is not reporting. Sure, they may be discussing an event that happened, they'll be mm-hmm. discussing it for far too long about just whatever. And it's these analysts or just commentators, because I'm not even really going to call some of them reporters, mm-hmm. not to be, like, rude or anything, but, like, <laughs> in these situations when people are just plainly commentating. And so people will tune into that, and see that and they'll be like, oh, this is completely biased. And they're just completely spitting out, mm-hmm. like, opinions on the news. Like, this is news. Why are they doing this? Like, And, mm-hmm. and people perceive these commentary segments as straight-up news, which bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, part of the reason why there's <laughs> such an aggression against journalists. And mm-hmm. it it frustrates me because there are so many networks, even, even networks, because I do agree with you that some networks are a little bit leaning one way, um, but like not aggressively. Genuinely, the yeah. aggressive, the aggressive channels that you're going to find on TV are the 24-hour news channels, mm-hmm. which are CNN, MSNBC, and Fox Network. Like those are going to be the ones that are like filled with that commentary, filled with that 24 hours news cycle. And it upsets me as a journalist because there's such an idea now around journalism. And even when people put on, like, the evening news, they'll be like, no, like, I don't believe any of this. When it'll be, like, a local news reporter and local news is extremely trustworthy. Like, there's, there's absolutely no reason for local news not to be 
like trustworthy and i think that people have such an idea in their head that journalists are out against them when like they don't realize that journalists are working for the people oh just completely (laughs) on a soapbox right now because this is something that like is just i'm so passionate about and it angers me so much because yes you can be mad at these 24-hour news channels you can be mad at them being completely biased yes but don't take it out on like genuine journalists and make journalism a dangerous field to be in but yeah so (laughs) i don't agree with people that don't trust journalists or journalism or the news because i just think that they're choosing to zone in on the big three that have kind of tainted the good name (laughs) of journalism (laughs) but because of that i don't know if you can relate to this but like it also gives me if you couldn't tell a little bit of passion (laughs) towards the field that i'm going in and it does like kind of make me uh excited (laughs) like to hopefully i feel like a lot of people that i've talked to that are our age in the program like all kind of have the same agreement and hopefully maybe in the future we can kind of change the pattern of the news cycle but honestly i don't know (laughs) because because these the 24-hour news cycles are gonna keep making money people are gonna Mm -hmm. keep tuning in so if they're gonna keep making money obviously it's gonna they're gonna keep doing what they're doing it's just upsetting yeah (laughs) it just makes me upset i think a lot also that we were able to see with this kind of idea that journalists are bad people and that the news and and i'm just gonna say the media because that's what a lot of people refer to it as even though Mm -hmm. ryan thomas would not approve of us saying (laughs) the media i think we saw a lot of that with the beginning coverage of the coronavirus and Mm -hmm. because news sites were like kind of hammering it in and just i can just take a personal example Um, Because I was working for our local news station over the summer and we'd be posting live blogs every day just updating with the numbers in the area and very basic but very important information about how how many cases we're having, death rates, stuff like that. And on different social media platforms where we'd post these stories, there would be a bunch of comments like, stop talking about it, it's not important, like, this is all just fake Like, Mm -hmm. just such aggression towards the coverage of the coronavirus when it was just genuinely, like, people, like, we were just simply stating numbers and and factual numbers, and it was causing such an outrage just because of maybe how, like, some of these other stations were choosing to cover it, which I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, in addition to that, I think one of the reasons people were so aggressive towards it was they were just sick of hearing about it. Mm -hmm. I mean... I also have worked for KOMU, and even right when it started was when I was still working there. So at that time, of course, every single story is something to do with it. But I think that lasted a long time, where it was just like every single story is coronavirus. Yeah. And it's like, it's the only thing that's going on. So I think it was like misplaced anger people are just so sick of that's the only thing they hear about that's the only thing that's happening and they don't really have an outlet for that so they can blame the people telling them about it Mm -hmm. and that's kind of their only outlet to like 
say their frustrations. I think that's exactly just hitting the nail on the head. People were just frustrated that it's the only thing they were hearing about. I am going to say, obviously, it was everything on the news because, I mean, it was it still is the largest thing happening. Like, we're yeah. still talking about it because it's not gone. Like, like people are, like, obviously, it's still a very, very big deal. And I do think people are just, like, tired of hearing about the same thing. But don't get mad at just people simply informing you of the news about it. I think a lot yeah. of times that's why journalists just get a lot of heat necessarily because they will just simply be relaying information and if people don't agree with the information or whatnot they just fire right back at the messenger Mm -hmm. which it just goes yeah don't kill the messenger yep (laughs) but that was kind of the gist of our political Mm quote-unquote um conversation for today like i said at the beginning of this this wasn't necessarily to talk about viewpoints or aggressive things like that but just kind of getting a sense of how as 19 and 20 year old girls Mm -hmm. um growing up in college and kind of finding our own beliefs and everything and just how our towns have necessarily influenced so yeah I hope you found this conversation a little bit interesting also Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit helpful um just to have a Mm -hmm. nice calm conversation around the topic rather than us screaming at one another (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so we mentioned that this episode is coming out on christmas which it's it's kind of funny that we did politics on christmas but you know um the juxtaposition so yes very beautiful (laughs) so that means our next episode is coming out on new year's so i thought it would be kind of fun to Not really, like, switch up our format that much, um, but kind of switch up the way we're talking. Um, I wanted to do something a little more, like, conversational. Mm -hmm. And I thought it'd be fun to look back at 2020 and look forward at 2021 and just kind of talk about our year, maybe our New Year's resolutions, like, stuff like that. I thought that would be kind of fun. Since it's coming out on New Year's anyways. (laughs) Yeah, that's so fun. I love that. Yeah, also something like a thought that I just had. 2020 will be the first year of you and I's lives that we've, like, known each other. Like, the whole whole year. year? Like, we spent a whole year together. (laughs) Which is kind of fun. So cute. So that'll be a really fun recap. Mm -hmm. So definitely make sure to tune in for that. Thank you for listening to the Different States of Mind podcast. Be sure to tune in every Friday for new episodes. And as always, remember to be open to whatever comes next. See you next week.